The housing market is a big ball of energy. Our job is to just position ourselves so that we get our part. We don't have to create it. We just have to get our part of it. And that's where most agents, I think, when they fail, it's because their commission checks get too far apart. It's no other reason and they have to get another job. Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. All right. I just, the, the topic of today, our title is Focus on Actions. Our guest host, because, and, and I love, by the way, that's so straightforward and so simple, Focus on Actions. Our guest host is someone who's become a pretty good friend of mine in the last couple of years, but he's an amazing real estate agent in his own right selling literally hundreds of homes a year. He's been doing this for longer than probably most of us can remember. Uh, his name is Will Penny from uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Will, say good morning. How's it going, man? Are, are you even in Ohio right now? Where are you right now? How do you like my fake background? It looks it looks nice. Where's the background from? Hey, I, <laughs> those, those of you listening to the audio only, you missed out. Will just ran into a... No, it's not a virtual background. That's real. That's beautiful. It's a Springwood Wright house in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, that's the one you sent me the link to yesterday. Oh, it's beautiful. All right. So when I started this episode, guys, I said, what should I do today? The reason that's the topic, and I'm going to let Will start off with this and I'll maybe jump in with some questions, but we've been talking about as the market shifts, as an agent, a lot of people wake up and they literally think, what should I do? Or maybe they have a plan, but is it the right plan? So Will's going to talk about how he's created success in his business consistently over, we're talking no matter what the market's doing, up or down, selling hundreds of homes a year. Will, tell me about this focus on actions. Where do, where do you want to start with this? Well, the first thing that I think we all need to realize is that the housing market, no matter what is happening, is a, is a recession-proof market. The triggers that prompt moves, birth, death, divorce, college graduation, downsizing, relocation, those happen every year, year in, year out. And it's very easy to get tied up in all the noise. And we're hearing about the, um, the Sitzer Burnett case. And are we even going to have jobs? And we're interest rates are 78%. But no matter what happens, homes always sell. And that's not a Pollyanna view. It's, it's accurate. Check your MLS every day. There's homes selling. So our job is to just me- be able to get, get our part. It's like one of those Tom and Jerry cartoons where there's the big ball of hairpins and dust and then reaches out and grabs the, you know, the Tom and pulls him in as they're fighting. Well, you have, if you look at the housing market as a big ball of energy, our job is to just position ourselves so that we get our part. We don't have to create it. We just have to get our part of it. And that's where most agents, I think, uh, when they fail, it's because their, their commission checks get too far apart. It's no other reason. And they have to get another job. Interesting. All right. So, so, I, by the way, I love that visual, <laughs> the Tom and Jerry visual. Um, so if we're trying to get our part, like what what do you think, do you start want to start with what we should focus on or what you you focus on? Or you want to you want to start on the other side of like, what do a lot of agents focus on that doesn't work? Where, where do you want to start? Where I'd like to start right first is New Year's resolutions. So for a long time, uh, my wife and I, when our kids were young, we would have a uh, New Year's party, and we'd have 40, 50 people come over. And every year, I hated it. As the as Dick Clark got up there to let the ball drop, 
I would actually go into the other room and not watch it. And, and we ended up stop, we stopped having our, our new year's party because of it, because it was stressed me out so much because I had sold 80 homes or a hundred homes or whatever. This is back when I was a solo agent and I was selling a hundred to 110 houses a year at my peak as a solo agent before I started a team. And every year on new year's Eve, that whole thing made me feel like I was starting over. And January 1st is not a start over. It's all in our heads. I mean, January 1st happens, but it's just another day. And I think New Year's resolutions, uh, you know, a lot of people, if they have personal events, they've had a death, you know, illness, then I think that New Year's is an excellent way to reset mentally. So I'm not dis discounting that in any way. But too many of us in our business, we end up looking at that as a clean slate and we end up killing a lot of time in the middle between now and then it's like i'm going to quit smoking in february or i'm going to start losing weight in march and then we get a sense of relief because we don't have to do anything until then and i think that we should really talk about new year's resolutions and why they typically fail i mean you go to the gym on january 1st and the parking lot is a mad you know madhouse but it only takes about five weeks in before the parking lot's empty again. And that's because human beings in general, we don't adapt or, to or adopt uh, good habits uh, very, very easily. And, and that all boils down to action and then consistency and discipline. And that is where a lot of us fail. So I think this time of year particularly, I think we need to think about that I was really, really good for a lot of years of making a business plan. And I, I made a really nice tidy one and I would put down like how many homes I wanted to sell and how many conversations I had to have and what my average commission was. And I would do all of that. I would spend a lot of time on it and it would give me a lot of peace knowing that I was doing the right thing. But then I would leave it and never look at it again. But that's exact. By the way, that's exactly what I would do. I was literally wondering if you're going to say that. So those of you who are with us live, put in the chat box. If are you are you guilty of that? Like I know Leo's here. He's saying he's at Amen a minute ago. But like I'm I did that every year. I would make this beautiful plan. I even had a coach once that had me buy a plastic uh, like laminated desk protector and slide it underneath the desk protector so I could look yeah. at it every day. I still put stuff on top of it. Didn't look at it. Like even that wasn't enough to keep me to go. Like it's a great in concept, but to try to review it regularly, it's it doesn't. I find most agents don't do it. About five years ago, I put uh, an event in my calendar. Um, you probably oh you can see this because it's yeah, just see it? background. Do you yeah. see where it says text past client twenty past clients? Yep. Can I put that in about five or six years ago? It shows up as a reminder every day, and I don't even notice it. And it says text 20 past clients because it's not in, I, that is not important to me anymore. And I not texting past clients, but the reminder being there or having it under the thing. So I think that what we really need to think about going into the new year is what works for me. Uh, my coach always says I win dirty and I, I run a lot. Yeah, I know you do too. If I want to run a certain amount of miles in a week, I'm not very good at being told, okay, you need to run Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, take Friday off, Saturday, Sunday. I'm not good at those types of routines. So what I do even with running is I, if I want to run 40 miles in the week, I know I need to run about 15 to 20 during the week and I need to run the rest 
on Saturday and Sunday because that's when I typically run longer. Well, I do the same thing with my business. So my whole thing was getting an appointment a day. So when I was really out hustling, I'm not, my motivations dropped a lot. Now my kids are out of college and I, and I'm in my fifties and I just don't need to make as much money anymore. But when I was really hot and heavy, when my kids were in private schools and leading up to college and I had to sell a hundred homes a year or with my team, 200 to 250 homes a year, and I was completely focused on my actions, I would focus on getting an appointment a day because you can control that. And I think too many people are uh, focused on the results. You can't control the results, but if you focus on the actions and then you force yourself to be consistent with those actions. And it, it can be very simple. My, mine was appointment a day or four a week. That's 200 a year. If I have 200 appointments a year, I know I'm going to sell 50 to 70 homes a year. So that's what I would do back then. And when we go into a new year's resolution and we start saying, like I saw a guy last year and it happens all the time. And I, again, I'm no disrespect, but the guy had sold like 22 homes and he posted on Facebook, because I looked in the MLS, 22 homes, which is a, is great. I was just going to say, 22 is a good amount of homes, right? That, 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 it's, 22 is a great amount of homes. Yeah, that's not what it's about, except his New Year's resolution for 20, 2022 was to sell 78 homes. So he was going to add 56 transactions, and he put it on Facebook, had 178 likes, a bunch of fist emojis and flames. But that isn't going to get you where you want to be. You know, just by stating and having an affirmation about your goal, that isn't enough. So you as we go into this new year and we're making New Year's resolutions, we have to be cognizant of the fact that we're, if we miss that goal or if we start falling short, we can't abandon the whole thing. And that's where a lot of us end up. We, we start falling short and then we lose hope and we abandon the entire thing. And we, how much of the year do we kill? And I think the other thing I've noticed now that I'm in my fifties, we, and I'm not a terribly, I'm not a religious person and I'm not sappy at all, but I, you know, I had a heart condition this year that you know about. Um, I had, uh, we, we both know someone close to us who died very recently out of like, six days after we saw him and and i had a friend die who was 46 you know my point is when we kick these goals down the road and we say okay a month from now i'm going to start this goal or i'll just start again in january or i'll put this off till next quarter the one thing that we're assuming is that we have this time and we don't necessarily so I've lit I, my whole mindset has changed around that because if you just it if we if we use time like it's like there's an endless amount that can be very risky and plus it takes the pressure off of us to start and complete a goal because we always figure we can do it again next time and that isn't always the case. Uh, very true. I, I love that. So I I want to I want to rewind you back for just a minute because I want to go back to this. This, the simple action you said was setting one, because we, we're not, we have goals, but we're more focused on the actions now. Your, your simple action each day was to book one appointment a day. If you're talking to someone right now who's like, okay, I love this idea, right? They work backwards. They know what their goal is because there's still benefit to making a business plan. I'm not saying don't do it, but like 
once you make it, then you got to focus on the action portion. Um, how, what would you tell someone that like, if they want to take on this, like I'm going to do an appointment a week or an appointment a day or two appointments a week. What's, how do you shift that focus? What did you do? I think the big shift for most real estate agents before they start making any goals is to actually step out of their day-to-day distractions of returning a buyer's phone call, responding to a seller, dealing with the radon inspection, dealing with the repair contingency. I got a closing in two days. We spend all of our time on that stuff. And that's why we have these roller coasters in the first place. So that's an entirely different conversation. But until you figure out how to separate yourself for a minute and start placing value on your business, then you're going to, your goals mean nothing anyway, because you just spend your day picking up trash around your business and fixing problems and putting out fires, right? And I think the first thing that we need to do before we start talking about goal setting is placing reverence on commitments that we make to ourselves. Because I was talking to someone on my team the other day. I'm pretty hardcore. And I said, okay, so, and I love this person. So I was coming from a really good place. I said, you have to pick your daughter up from school every day at 20 after two, right? And she said, yeah. I said, are you ever late? And she said, no. And I said, why not? And she said, because I have to pick her up. And I said, well, if you didn't pick her up, what's the worst thing that would happen? And I said, you know, that the teacher would look down on you. Your daughter would be angry. She's in eighth grade, so she's not going to starve to death or dehydrate. You know, you you know, even if you never picked her up, she'd actually be by six o'clock, someone would bring her home. Right. So we place so much reverence in a commitment we make to somebody else. Or if you say, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up my friend at six o'clock from the airport, come hell or high water, you're going to be there and you're not going to bail out of it last minute. But if you say that at 11 o'clock today, I'm going to call 20 past clients, or I'm going to call uh, five uh, for sale by owners, or I'm going to call five uh, expired listings, or I'm going to knock on doors, or I'm going to spend two hours responding to posts on social media, wishing people a happy birthday, seeing the posts from the people that I love in my life on Facebook and sending them a private message. you know, uh, celebrating whatever it is going on in their life right now. We will blow that off for anything. I mean, like literally anything will get in the way of that. And I think until we start putting reverence over the commitments that we make to ourselves, then none of the other stuff we talk about matters. Uh, That's such a, powerful way to frame it up. Well, I never consider that when you think about picking someone from the airport or picking your, you know, your child up from school compared to the convincing of yourself. So how does someone start to develop that sense of integrity with how did, or not someone, how did you, how did you develop that sense of integrity with yourself? And you said, you're going to do something. You did it. Did you always have that? Or did you have to develop that? My work related stuff, you have to start thinking, people talk about your why or your reason. I mean, my reason was at first it was that I didn't want my wife to feel like I was a loser. That was important to me. Then when we had one kid and then the second kid, I knew that I was the quarterback in my household, so I had to make money. So I would just focus on, it was very easy. I have pretty serious attention deficit issues, right? Um, Unmedicated. 
So I have to really focus on making sure that I do what I say I'm going to do, because otherwise I know I'm going to forget or let it get stepped on by something else. So what I did in my, that's why I said the one appointment a day, I knew that I would have to get one appointment a day and I would usually do it by calling for sale by owners. That's because that's the easiest way for me. Because if you're just talking to people, you know, your sphere, you can't, you're probably not, you're not doing it for the purpose of getting an appointment. You're doing it to stay top of mind so they don't forget about you and that they recommend you and use you in the future. But for sale by owners, expired listings, uh, circle prospecting, those are the types of activities that you can use to actually get an appointment. If you, if you find people that are interested in buying or selling a home to begin with, it's probably easier to get an appointment with one of those people. So that's what I would do, right? With my running, once my mileage got up to 50 to 60 miles a week, my motivation alone wouldn't get me there because I would lose motivation fast. It's kind of like the, the New Year's Day when I'd wake up after I had this party, which forced me to acknowledge that it was a new year, and I'd wake up selling zero homes, and I'd look back and say, I sold 76 houses last year. How the hell am I going to even uh, attempt to do that again? The number just seemed too outst- you know, outrageous for me to even wrap my head around, right? So with running, I started making appointments with friends to run. So to this day, I run with Kevin and Dave on Monday, Joe or Todd on Tuesday, Kevin and Dave Wednesday, Joe, Joe on Thursday, don't run Friday, and then two running groups on the weekends that leave at eight o'clock in the morning. So I actually follow my own plan to address my own weaknesses. All of my runs now are with other people at scheduled times. I love that. Now, that's because you're creating structure and accountability. Now, connect that framework to to someone in real estate. Would the same thing work for a real estate agent, I imagine? What I did back in the day when I worked at Century 21 and it was a big office, I would prospect with another guy and we would meet at the office to prospect. And as long as you pick someone who's going to take it as seriously as you do, that's the important thing. If you find someone that's going to take it as seriously as you do, then you just meet then and you both prospect. That's what I did to start with. And then once I got success, then I knew that, you know, my goal initially was to sell one home a month. And then my goal was to sell five homes a month. Once I got some traction, then I could do it on my own because then I just did it based on the number of appointments that I had in a day. But at the beginning to get the motivation and the structure, I would do it with somebody else. And that's what I do with my running even now. I don't do it with my business now, but I do it with my running. See, see, but th- that's what that's what I wanted to, to point out because you first said, you know, a lot of people talk about why. And you said at first, you know, you just didn't want to look bad with your wife. And you said you had kids, you're responsible. But I, my guess is, and you just kind of proved it, for a lot of agents, they have those strong whys, but it's still not enough. There's too much of a disconnect between, okay, if I do this thing now, that is going to help feed my family. But like, you got to create some additional things. When you just said you started out, you had a partner. You're going to show up. You had some accountability, right? Was Was there anything else that you, that you did early on. So if I, finding a partner, anything else that you thought you did early on that was really helpful and kind of developed Here, that. I'll tell you what, how, what specifically what was really helpful. Okay, so I got into the business when I was 19 years old and my broker, Rudy Calais, told me that I needed to have a nice car because if I had a big car payment, 1990, okay, so that's a long time ago, my car payment 
on my 2000 or my 1990 Ford Thunderbird LX was $408.46 a month. As long as I don't have cognitive issues, I will remember that car payment. $408.46 a month in 1990, okay? That was a lot. That was the equivalent of about a $1,000 a month car payment, okay? I made the first payment, missed the second one, went to my mom, because I lived at home, I was 19, went to my mom and asked her if I could borrow the money. She looked at me and went, but I have my own car payment. I can't afford yours. My parents didn't have a lot. So I called my brother who was living overseas because he was in the Air Force. He lent me 1500 bucks, my younger brother. So I ended up having three 90-day lates on that car payment. Now, I was, um, they would call me because I didn't have a cell phone back then. They would call me on my home line, uh, Pittsburgh National Bank. And I mean, so that is what created my first why, okay? Then I got that. I thought, I cannot, I have no safety net. My parents can't help me. I was 19, keep in mind. Um, so I still felt a little bit of me felt like a child. You know, I was a teenager still. Then as I started, I, I fought my way out of that by prospecting and just doing well because I got no help in the office because I was so young. No one wanted to help me. So then I got a mentor in the office uh, who sold about 300 homes a year. And I actually helped, I drove his car. And basically I, I, I offered to go on appointments with him so that he would show me how to list a house and work with a buyer. So I offered to drive his car, carry his briefcase, pick him up when he came home from vacation, take him to the airport. I did all that to get a mentor. He wanted, he didn't want to help me. I just, I became his butler pretty much. Uh, unpaid, right? You just do this unpaid. Just to I became his butler just so I could learn how to work with buyers and sellers. Okay. okay. So I did that. I started doing well. So then in 1991, I made $45,000. Now that may not sound like a lot now. $45,000 was worth about a hundred grand back then, right? Because you could buy, a, my house that I bought in 1994 was 80,000. It's worth about 200 now, okay? So I ended up meeting with my accountant, Preston Blair, and he said, you made 45 grand, good for you. He was an accountant making 70 because my dad had told me he made 70. So I was pretty proud of myself. He's like, you owe 5,000 to the IRS. It might as well have been 500,000. I had no savings. So I had to get on a $181 a month payment with the IRS. So I had three 90 day lates. Then the following year when I dug myself out of the hole, I ended up owing 5,000 bucks to the IRS. So those are the two things in my life that I swore I would never let myself get in that situation again. So Hell or high water, that is where the anxiety comes from. I feel tension thinking about it now. Um, those are the those two things made me run as far away from that kind of pain as I possibly could. And it wasn't real pain. It wasn't like you hear about these people that live in a, you know, bankruptcy. I never did anything like yeah, that. But, but but Will, to you it was real pain. That's what matters. It's not yeah, relative to anybody else. There's always someone who has something worse. It's most people are motivated away from pain. Not towards pleasure, not like I'm gonna support my family. It's it's the flip side of like, if I don't support my family, I don't want to get like this negative late. It's, it's, I, I really appreciate you sharing that story. Um, Leo had a question in the chat box. I want to read this out because he wants to make sure he's got this correct. Um, it, he said, so what he's hearing is first he has to find his weakness and then create actions around it until it becomes a habit. 100%. Is that correct? That's what I did. That 100%. Okay. So, so, so you want to say it in your words, Will, because I love that. Find your, find your weakness, create actions around it, so it becomes a habit. How would you say that, Will? Same way or how would you word that? Exactly the same way. 
I created actions around my weaknesses. We have to, the problem is most of us try to justify our weaknesses, not look at them for what they are as weaknesses to get better. There's, there's a quote I've just thought of, and I actually didn't know who this quote was from. Apparently it's uh, Lao Tzu, uh, you know, ancient philosopher that this quote's attributed to, but you'll recognize this one, Will, because I think we're actually talking about the opposite of this, which I think is also true. So this, one, this quote is, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. You've heard that one before, right? Very complex for a guy like me, but yeah. Right. So, so is this one though, I think is, it's, it's, in Kathina, it's almost the opposite. You just start with actions. If you start your actions, it's going to get your, your mindset, right? Like it's not about this goal. We started talking about the selling hundreds of homes a year. Like you get your simple daily action. You focus on that. That will then fix your thoughts later, right? If you can just create a structure and a habit around the action, everything else falls into place. That's what I'm motivation then. You don't need motivation. I don't need motivation to run anymore because I just run with other guys and I, we could, you know, like a text would be key bang today at five o'clock. I'll say, okay, well now I got to run today. No. So, I mean, the, I mean, it's not that tough, but here's the thing going into the new year. Cause a lot of people are still talking about business plans. If you make a business plan without a backup plan B and a plan C and acknowledge that you'll probably fall off the wagon and what you're going to do to correct it, that should be part of your thought process. If you don't do that, that's loser behavior. That is loser behavior right there. You might as well not even do it because if you're starting out for the first time making a business plan, Going into the new year with a sense of excitement, it's a new year and a new start that will not get you there. It, that is just negative loser behavior. You have to think about, if I fall off the wagon, I want to know that this is what I'm going to do to correct it. Because as humans, we're going to fall off the wagon. So you have to plan that ahead. I love that. Well, I, I think for most agents, even if you do 80% of your plan, you're still going to get wild success, right? What you're saying, the danger is when someone, the first time they miss something, they're like, oh, forget it, the whole thing, it's off, right? I'm, I'll throw it away. Um, we got about two minutes left. This is great. What what else would you like? Any other advice? Pull it together. What, what else would you want to leave us with you about? First of all, if people want to connect with you later, Will, how can they connect with you? What's the best way for someone to reach you? Uh, my cell phone, 330-760-2866. You can put that in the chat. You know what it is. All right, cool. And then we'll put it in the show notes. I mean, guys, Will's Here, genuine. Like, like here's what I'll say though in the two minutes. Before you start making some lavish plan for next year and you have no direction on where you want to go, whether you've sold four homes this year or 16 homes or 48, go through there and see the trends on where your business is coming from. So whether it's from paid leads, people you know, you need to identify where your business came from and that will help you plan where you want to go next year. Because if you're starting something brand new and you found some shiny object that you're going to start and this will be the year, it's not going to work out more than likely. It's just a shiny object. You you really have to sit back and say, okay, what am I doing now? What am I that is working? And am I doing enough? And just stick with that and focus on doing more of what you're already doing, not starting something new. That is the last thing I'll say on that, I think. Do you agree? Uh, that was a drop the mic moment, Will. I am 100% with you. And if you're a brand new agent and you don't have anything to look back on, 
go find someone that you want to be like and model and mentor, carry their, carry their bag, model after them. Truly. I think that's fantastic advice for either group. Well, Thank you for being here. This is so good, guys. This is uh, tomorrow on Agent Power Huddle. We got Coach Amy Izzo doing spilling tea with Amy. Uh, Thursday, all leads are not created equal. Sarah DeLancing. And then Friday, we got Power Tips with Linnea Carver. I hope you guys just keep joining us. Like those of you who are here live, um, Leo, thanks for interacting, engaging questions. Debbie, Mike, Tyra, Liliana, good to see you guys, David. Um, Will, I just want to say I appreciate you so much, man. As a friend, as a business person, awesome. What other brokerage can you be at where you have this stuff every day? Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I love Grateful it. to be a business partner. I'm also business partners with Will 3XP. So th- thank you. Uh, truly, well, I did. I'm grateful. All right. Have a great day, guys. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you guys tomorrow. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.